our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Now you can feel like you're in the audience at the Ed Sullivan Theater with official Late Show with Stephen Colbert merchandise at ParamountShop.com. Shop t-shirts, mugs, accessories, and more, and Late Show Pod Show listeners can take 20% off with code TLS20. That's 20% off at checkout on all Late Show products with code TLS20 at ParamountShop.com. Welcome in here, out there, Mr. and Mrs. America and all the ships at sea to The Late Show. I am your host, Stephen Colbert, and there is... Everybody knows, everybody's heard this big news from Washington, D.C. today, because this just just happened this afternoon, right? Just a little while ago, Mitch McConnell announced he will step down as the Senate's Republican leader. But, um, is this true? He's not stepping down till November. Because at 82, that's how long it takes him to step. (laughs) McConnell uh, made his announcement on the Senate floor and then took a fond shamble down memory lane. My career in the United States Senate began amidst the Reagan Revolution. The truth is, when I got here, I was just happy if anybody remembered my name. President Reagan called me Mitch O'Donnell. Close enough, I thought. Well, that's, that's very big of you, bitch nuts. <laughs> not very nice. That's not, that's not very nice. The smart choice. I've had my differences with Mitch McConnell over the years, that's no secret, but the truth is, he, he's an old man. He's served in our Senate for almost four decades. And so I just want to put aside politics for a moment and say sincerely, uh... <laughs> ah. Yesterday, uh, both parties held their primaries in the great state of Michigan. And on the Democratic... Yeah! Yes. Thank you. (laughs) And on the Democratic side, Biden won with 81% of the vote. 81%. 1% for every year he's been alive. And God help us, that joke works. Coming in second place behind Biden was uncommitted with 13.3%. Now, this was the result of an organized campaign to register discontent about Biden's policies on Israel and was designed to be a warning from progressives, young voters, and Arab American Democrats. So these are people who previously supported Biden, just wanted to send him a message to change his behavior. It's like how you would tell a child, you can't have dessert until you clean your room and figure out who gets Jerusalem. The next highest vote-getter was Marianne Williamson, who got 3%, even though she had already dropped out of the race. (laughs) 
That showing inspired her to unsuspend her campaign today. I mean, that's the ultimate proof that she's an optimist. She always sees the glass as 3% full. <laughs> Williamson beat out a candidate who is still in the race, Dean Phillips, who got 2.7%. Afterwards, Phillips tweeted, if you resent me for the audacity to challenge Joe Biden, at least you'll appreciate how relatively strong I'm making him look among primary voters. <laughs> yep. That's like a guy saying to his ex, hey, you got to admit, thanks to me, sex with your new boyfriend must seem pretty great. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> now, but Dean, Dino, buddy, I can tell you're feeling low, so let's, let's have a little talk. Hey, pal. Sometimes in life you take a big swing and it just doesn't work out. We've all had times when we put ourselves out there and then lost to a protest vote and a lady who wasn't running. <laughs> you might feel like you don't want to show your face right now, but you listen to me, Dean Phillips. You go out there and you hold your head up high because no one knows what your face looks like. <laughs> Stay strong. Now. Everybody hurts. Tonight. Uh, over on the Republican side, Donald Trump easily beat Nikki Haley, but there were some warning signs for him. In every primary so far, Trump has done significantly worse than the polls predicted ahead of time. In Iowa, he underperformed by two points. In New Hampshire, it was seven points. In South Carolina, he did worse by eight points. And last night, he underperformed by 15 points. If this trend continues by November, he will get negative 23% of the vote. <laughs> Yes. Or as he calls it, total victory. <laughs> as usual, as usual, Trump did particularly badly with college-educated voters, possibly because they all had to take the prereq course, Poli-Sci 101, intro to Don't Vote for Hitler. <laughs> There's also good news. Sure. No, Hitler. <laughs> Oh, oh, there's good news about the government. We still have one. Because it's just this afternoon, right? This afternoon, lawmakers reached a deal to avert a U.S. government shutdown. That's nice. <laughs> but didn't we just do this three other times in the last six months? Why are we celebrating something that should always happen? This is like a school principal getting on the PA and saying, uh, good news, students. Today's lunch. Food. What, what, what the deal uh, does not have in it is any funding for Ukraine, thanks to House Speaker and evil Simon Chipmunk, Mike Johnson. Now, the president, the president, the president of the United States, Senate Republicans and Democrats all support funding Ukraine. So yesterday, there was a big meeting at the White House where Johnson was cornered on Ukraine aid by Chuck Schumer, President Biden, and Mitch McConnell. They gave Johnson the old good cop, old cop, might be dead cop. <laughs> the entire free world, the entire free world is behind helping Ukraine. Now, this week, the foreign minister of Poland addressed Johnson directly, saying, I'd like Mike Johnson to know that the whole world is watching, and if the bill were not to pass and Ukraine was to suffer reversals in the battlefield, it will be his responsibility. Adding, 
I cannot believe the fate of the world rests in the hands of a man whose son gets phone alert when he's, say, rubbing mustard on his kielbasa. <laughs> now, kielbasu, delicious kielbasu. On top of that, 23 European parliaments have sent Mike Johnson an open letter urging him to provide aid for Ukraine. 23 countries. The only thing that unites Europeans more than Mike Johnson are weird stand-up toilets and pants tight enough to show the outline of your Mike Johnson. <laughs> now, it is, it is uh, no mystery, in case you're wondering, why uh, Republicans in Congress don't support Ukraine. And their reason is called Donald Trump. He loves him some Putin. And we found out just how much he loves him from former Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull, seen here trying to discreetly determine if his finger smells like butt. <laughs> no. Discreetly. That's discreetly. Turnbull was on an Australian news show, and he described his experience at international summits watching Trump meet Putin. I've been with Trump and Putin. Uh, Trump is in awe of Putin. He's, uh, when you see Trump with Putin, as I have on a few occasions, he's like the 12-year-old boy that goes to high school and meets the captain of the football team. <laughs> uh, my hero. It is really creepy. Okay, that is an insulting comparison to 12-year-old boys. <laughs> if one of them, if a 12-year-old boy... If a 12-year-old boy met Putin, he wouldn't idolize him. He would look him straight in the eye and say, wait, we're the same height? <laughs> but if you want to see the Russian influence in the Republican Party, look no further than their sham impeachment of Joe Biden, which they hope to accomplish by first attacking Hunter Biden. Hunter was on Capitol Hill today to testify in front of the impeachment committee. Now, we don't know what he said, but we do know that the GOP case is imploding thanks to their star witness, Alexander Smirnov, seen here, not being seen here. <laughs> Back in 2020, Smirnov told his FBI handler that he could testify that the owner of the Ukrainian energy company Burisma had arranged to pay $5 million bribes to both President Biden and his son Hunter. Okay, that's what you'd call a smoking gun, okay? If it were smoking. Or a gun. <laughs> Turns out it was just a finger. And yes... Smells like butt. <laughs> now, <laughs> worth it right there. <laughs> now, 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 back then, the FBI warned Republicans this information was unverified, but that did not stop them from staking their entire case on this clown ski. Now, it turns out that might have been an oopsie-daisy because now... Smirnov has been charged with lying to the FBI and creating false records and has admitted that he had been fed information about Hunter Biden from Russia's intelligence services. The Republicans in Congress trying to impeach the president of the United States based on false information piped directly into Capitol Hill by the Kremlin. At any other point in human history, this would be a scandal of such magnitude and gravity that it would tilt the Earth off its orbit around the sun. But you don't hear much about it because half of the media in the United States is focused on the scandal of old man is old and likes ice cream. <laughs> now, now... I like ice cream, too. 
Now that their star witness is behind bars, House Republicans are backpedaling like a tweaked-out circus bear on a unicycle. <laughs> until last week, keep in mind, until last week, they called this man a trusted, highly credible informant who was a very crucial piece of their investigation. But now this is what they're saying. He wasn't an important part of the case, but it was a tip that we should investigate. Talking about Smirnoff, he's part of this puzzle. He's a very small piece, right? Yeah, he's a micro piece. Bad news, fellas. There's no such thing as a micro piece of Russian spy. If your hot dog has even a micro piece of turd, it's a turd dog. They're all turd dogs. We got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, Chris Hayes. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. My first guest tonight is the Emmy Award-winning host of MSNBC's All In with Chris Hayes. He also hosts the podcast, Why Is This Happening? Please welcome back to The Late Show, Chris Hayes. All right. Uh, hey, hey, Chris Hayes, we got some stuff we need to get into here. The Things audience doesn't even know about here. But first, uh, I heard t- tonight is your birthday. It is my birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. We got you a present. We got you a present. Uh-oh. And since it is an election year and a really strange one at that, we got you something to help with the stress of the year. If you want to look at that right there. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's a stress ball that says F asterisk asterisk. There you go. Very useful. Yeah. 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 Right. Can I do that while I... You 100% can. Okay, speaking of uh, holy balls. Yeah. Okay, at 5 o'clock, okay, at 5 o'clock today, shortly before we started the show, uh, a ruling or an announcement came from the Supreme Court on Donald Trump's attempt to uh, get out of the January 6th prosecution because of absolute presidential immunity... Uh, uh, tell the folks what the Supreme Court said. So it happens at 5 o'clock, and at at one level, it's just sort of an anodyne announcement. What they say is, we are granting Donald Trump's stay, which means the proceedings stay paused. So Jack Smith cannot actually go to trial. Okay, yes, yes, yes. Correct. So that, yes, you're you're reacting the way that that I would imagine uh, that you would react. Yeah. And we're going to take up arguments on April 22nd. Seven weeks from now. Wow. And everything will be stayed pending then. Now, now, just to be clear here, they took 15 days from the time that these briefs were submitted to make this decision. 15 days in which they weren't writing any orders, they weren't writing any dissents, they weren't doing any work. They just burned 15 days. Then after burning 15 days, they turn around and say, we're going to do oral arguments in seven weeks. That's nine weeks. 
that they have taken off the calendar. So this really seems like they're doing him a solid because what he wants more than anything else is just to burn out the clock so the trials don't happen regardless of what the ruling is. That is correct. The, the, there are, the, from the moment the indictments were announced, uh, and particularly this one, which I think is the most important for a bunch of different reasons. Yes, I think we all deserve to know whether the president of the United States engaged in an insurrection against his own government if he wants to be president again. I think that's a very reasonable position. Yes. Not only that, I will even say, and I really mean this truth, truthfully, there's one sort of level at a kind of like partisan perspective of, you know, I personally think Donald Trump is bad and unfit for office, and I think, you know, he should stand trial. Yeah. American voters actually deserve the knowledge in either direction. If the man is acquitted, if he's found not guilty of an incredibly grave crime, American voters deserve to know that as well. One way or the other, the American public is owed as a fundamental public interest, as a democratic self-interest to know whether in a court of law judged by a jury of his peers under full constitutional due process, the man is guilty or not of the gravest political crime of any man in history since the Civil War. But I want to just be clear with folks here. Everyone here knows the score, and I cannot stress this enough. It's like, I saw the news about this order, right? And it's like, oh, they're going to hear the immunity case. They're going to hear arguments. And it's like, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There is a calendar on the wall. It's got a certain amount of days on it, 200 days. And every day you cross through in red, you are doing Trump a favor. You are helping Donald Trump. And everyone knows that. The people in the Supreme Court know that. Tanya Chutkin knows that. Jack Smith knows that. Donald Trump's lawyers know it. And Donald Trump knows it. So when they take 15 days to issue this order, and then they come back and they say, we're going to get to these arguments in seven weeks, they are going up to that calendar and they are putting nine weeks of days, and they are burning them for Donald Trump in Donald Trump's interest so as to protect Donald Trump from the possibility of being held to account. Everyone needs to understand that is what they are doing. But it's actually, <laughs> it's actually worse than that, because whether or not they rule in his favor or against his favor, we won't know till the end of June. Well... Let me, yes, probably, although I do want to say one thing. In 74 in July, U.S. v. Nixon was argued, this is the case that found that, yes, you yep. can prosecute the yep. president. They decided it, they issued the opinion three weeks later. So, and this is an important thing to keep in mind about the Supreme Court. When they want to move fast, they move fast, baby. When they want to move slow, they move slow. If they want to move fast after April 22nd and they want to issue that opinion, they can. Do I think they will after what they signaled today? Not likely. Okay. I was about to say, do you want to bet? <laughs> yes, no, no. I mean, but, but I guess the reason I'm saying that is I don't want to, I, I don't quite want to take the pressure off, which is uh -huh. to say they should know that everyone's watching this and everyone understands the score the same way, the same way they underscore and they can't hide behind procedural complexity and anodyne one-page statements that give you some SCOTUS scheduling and everyone moves about their day. Like, we all know what they're doing. We have to take a quick break, uh, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more. Chris Hayes, everybody. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, 
you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, everybody. We're back here with the host of All In with Chris Hayes. Mr. Chris Hayes. Okay, you, you have a podcast, as I said before, called Why Is This Happening? We're likely going to have another presidential election between Joe Biden, 81, and Donald Trump. By the election, will be 78? I believe so, 78. Yeah. yeah. Okay, why is that happening? Well... Why are our candidates so old? <laughs> um, I, you know, there's a bunch of reasons. One is the baby boom was really a big generation. Yeah. That's why they called it the boom. Sure. And... Baby boomers have had a kind of cultural and political dominance in American life for an incredibly sustained period of time, Mm -hmm. partly, I think, because of the age of which they came of age and also because of their sheer numbers. Mm -hmm. And they've removed, they've they've proven remarkably um, immune to being dislodged. Yes, and unwilling to be dislodged. Also true. Right. I also think... Two other things. One, incumbent. The, the, the first answer to your question is incumbency is a powerful thing in politics. Always has been. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, essentially an incumbent. Yeah. Joe Biden, the actual incumbent. Incumbency powerful. Name recognition matters a lot. Those are the two guys that were there. They're going to be there again. And number three, what I would say is that actually both Joe Biden and Donald Trump in very different ways are good at politics. It's not fully an accident that these two individuals are where they are. Joe Biden has been a politician since he was 29 and he got elected to the Senate, right on the constitutional threshold of being a U.S. senator. Mm. He has been doing this for 51 years. And you know what? He's good at it. Joe Biden is good at doing politics. It's, it's not easy. It's not guaranteed that you win as many elections as Joe Biden has won in his life. And you know who else is good at politics? In a dark, perverse, destructive way... Yes. Is Donald Trump. He's good at politics. Yeah, he's good at motivating and, the policy. And for, for, <laughs> for all of the exhaustion with these two men, or exhaustion at least with the, the thought of a rematch, or exhaustion with the notion of two individuals at the advanced stage they're at, in the end, the combination ultimately of incumbency and their actual political skill is the answer to your question. You recently said that you think that people in the media should cover Trump more. Yes. Why? Because there was a lot of criticism back in 2016 that he was covered too much, that he was given two billions of dollars of free yeah. publicity and free advertising. So what, what do you mean by more? It's certainly not what happened in 2016. No. I mean, I, first of all, I think that the critique in 2016 was correct, and also the lesson was overlearned. And what I mean by overlearned is what I think happened, particularly after January 6th, particularly after his, he was no longer in the White House and he disappeared from these social media platforms, he became an abstraction... His edges got sanded off, and often when he was reported about, it was through the prism of reporting that characterized him Mm. rather than actually seeing him. Oh, I understand. And it's genuinely shocking. Like, I don't know how often you go over to Truth Social to read his posts. Not as often as I should, obviously. (laughs) It's every reporter who's ever worked in a newsroom has experienced cranks. They get emails or, or letters from cranks. Sure. It's all the same cadence. It's all the same weird capitalization, the same anger, the pettiness. It's the, he's a crank. And the, his odiousness and his aberrantness is very hard to keep front of mind because it is so strange, because it is so repellent, that the more removed the actual figure of Donald Trump is from the collective memory, 
the less people remember just how odious he is. So if we put him on camera more often, or if the news puts him on camera more often, we'll be reminded how... Uh, of who he is. I mean, We're I, creeped I, out by him. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. And people, look, there was a reason... I always go back to COVID when he was doing the daily... Um, he was doing the daily press briefings. I, from I remember those, yeah, yeah. And it, the, the breaking point was probably when he said you should sh- try to sh- shine UV light in your butthole. Do you remember that part? <laughs> or, in, or inject bleach. I mean, or inject that was, bleach. That was the same one, inject the bleach. Either, yeah. and inject yeah. the bleach. If there's a way to get it inside the body, uh, the UV light or the, yeah. or the bleach. Sure. And they had to pull him off uh, doing that, uh, partly because it was dangerous to people's health, but also because it was politically bad for him. Um, mm-hmm. People... It started to drive his numbers down. Yeah. And I think there is a degree to which people really... It's hard to keep in mind just just how strange and terrible a figure he is. Mm-hmm. And I think that the news has helped him a little bit by keeping him off stage. Last thing is, I know you got to go and do a show, and I gotta we, and show. we got to go too, but I wanted to talk just slightly about why do you think the... Russia has such a grip on some of the Republican Party. Why is Tucker Carlson not an aberration, but an avatar of a certain attitude now? It is strange. Um, yeah. And I, I have the and same... A weird, a weird switch. It is a weird switch. In a stra- short period a of very time. Switch, very weird inversion. It was we- very weird the way that Tucker, like, did all the stations of the cross of, like, the American leftists going to Soviet Russia to report back on how much better things are. Yes. Like, almost like he was doing a bit. Like, Potemkin Village kind of bit. Yeah. Um, there's two reasons, I think. One is transactional. Vladimir Putin engineered criminal sabotage to help get Donald Trump elected in 2016, and Donald Trump knows that, and Vladimir Putin knows that, and the Republican Party knows that. They would like his help again in 2024, obviously, and there is a debt that he's incurred, and he, Donald Trump wants him to help him out. So that's the transactional reason. The ideological reason is that as the Republican Party, and particularly conservative movement, radicalizes against democracy, they are increasingly looking for foreign models of right-wing authoritarianism that is alluring or attractive to them in replacement of our traditions here. So Pro- Orban. Exactly. Orban, Orban being another one, Putin uh, being one. They don't, they are increasingly souring on democracy. They're souring on the project of all of us together across all our lines of difference choosing collectively what we do. Mm-hmm. And as they sour on that and they radicalize against that very notion, they, they, they look for models elsewhere of what things could be like. And one of those places is, is Russia. Chris, thank you so much. It's great to be Always love it to talk much. to you. Thank you for being here. All In airs Tuesdays through Fridays on MSNBC. And you can listen to Why Is This Happening wherever you get your podcast. It's Chris Hayes, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. 
Rise and shine, football fans. Start your day the right way with Morning Footy, a podcast that covers every aspect of the global game. Headlines, match previews, analysis, interviews, culture, fashion, and plenty of banter. Join as we track the thrills and spills of Europe's biggest title races, the business end of the Champions League season, a summer packed with international competitions, MLS, NWSL, and much more. Subscribe to Morning Footy.